Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with doctors Alex Rankin and Shep Nickel, who will be discussing their recent work screening for new red cell alloantibodies after transfusion in sickle cell patients. Welcome, Dr. Rankin and Dr. Nickel. Thank you so much for joining us. Dr. Rankin, would you please introduce yourself? Sure. My name is Alex Rankin. I am a um, second-year fellow in pediatric hematology, oncology, and bone marrow transplant at Children's Hospital of Colorado. Thank you. And Dr. Nickel, could you introduce yourself as well? Hi, I'm uh, Shep Nickel. I'm a pediatric hematologist at Children's National in Washington, D.C., and also an assistant professor at George Washington University School of Medicine. Again, thank you both for joining us. Can we start with just having you summarize your study for our listeners? Sure, I can give that a shot. Um, so the idea behind the study centers around the, the concept of high rates of alloimmunization in kids with sickle cell disease. And, you know, this has been well described and, you know, it's kids with sickle cell are getting a larger burden of transfusions than your, your average child. And sickle cell is also a chronic inflammatory state. And so um, both of these, along with a variety of other factors, lead to higher rates of alloimmunization. Um, the, uh, what's also been well described is um, that current screening practices maybe aren't the most effective at picking up alloimmunization um, in this population and in other populations. Um, and that can have a variety of significant consequences for these patients, particularly in the form of hemolytic transfusion reactions that can be quite severe, even deadly, if there's a um, alloimmunization that has occurred but hasn't been previously detected. Um, so the question behind the study, the main question was, is there a, is there a better way to detect alloimmunization in this population and thus hopefully try to mitigate some of these um, negative consequences of alloimmunization? Um, you know, current, current screening practices for alloimmunization involve obtaining antibody screens prior to each transfusion and in, in kids who are only being transfused for acute indications, you know, those can be rather episodic and, you know, it could be every month or it could be every year, every two years. And so, um, you know, based on how antibodies um, peak and, and uh, wane in terms of their serum levels, it can, um, that can be missed. Um, and so the, what has been described in terms of how these alloantibodies develop is, you know, you have an immune response to a, foreign antigen, um, you know, there's production of antibodies that are detectable in the serum, but those antibodies don't remain detectable forever. They eventually evanesce to levels that are undetectable by current screening practices. And so if you don't get the screen, theoretically, in that, in that time window, you might miss the alloantibody. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the background of the study. And, then, and so to, to address that, our thought was to develop a screening protocol that would um, target this, this peak um, antibody level in the serum by instead of just doing pre-transfusion uh, DATs or antibody screens, doing them routinely post-transfusion, um, again, to try to, to try to pick up that peak antibody level in the serum. So what we did was we designed a clinical protocol where we asked providers in the hematology department to routinely on kids who were um, with sickle cell who were getting acute transfusions to screen um, with a DAT two to six months after each transfusion. Um, and the way we kind of went about this, we would every month query the blood bank records to, to see which patients had been transfused. And then we would 
uh, enter into the uh, electronic medical record notes, little reminders to providers um, with the time interval that we would like those screens to be obtained and then occasionally send out reminder emails as well. Um, and then once we kind of collected all that data, we, we compared it to um, rates of historic antibody detection with a, with a, co of a, co a cohort that um, prior to the implement implementation of this new um, protocol. Yeah, just building off that, um, the impetus behind this project is really that idea of antibody evanescence, that, you know, that a large percentage of antibodies can be missed uh, because they get formed and then they disappear. And this has been well described in the literature, especially in sickle cell disease, where many patients can form antibodies and then um, they, they can be detected. And then months later when an antibody screen is obtained or years later when an antibody screen is obtained, the antibody screen is negative. And so, um, you know, it, as a clinical hematologist, I worry a lot. We're transfusing all these kids or all these patients and um, we're not kind of following them up to see if they actually made antibodies until maybe years later when they're getting transfused again. And during that time, they might've formed an antibody and then it might've disappeared. And so, you know, should we be doing a more rigorous screening after transfusion to really see if every single patient has made uh, an antibody after transfusion. And what did you guys find? So there were two primary, I think, endpoints we were looking at when, when implementing, implementing this protocol. And the first was, you know, is this something that's even feasible to do in the first place? And the second would be, is it efficacious in terms of picking up higher rates of aluminization? Um, on the feasibility question, we certainly found that it was, was feasible. I think it was something around 80% of the patients who we um, looked at had a had a screen that was obtained in that defined two to six month window. Um, that's in comparison with the control group when this protocol wasn't implemented, where only about eighteen percent of patients had screens in the um, those put in that post transfusion time period. So certainly feasible. Um, you know, took a little bit of reminders to people in terms of you know changing changing the culture of how people think about screening, but. Um, you know, we, we found it was a doable thing. And also importantly, I would, I would say it, it didn't, you know, it doesn't burden patients um, in a significant way to, to do something like this. Um, we're having, you know, our sickle cell patients come in routinely every three months or so for blood work anyway. And so these were just tacked on with the, the routine blood work that these patients were getting regardless. There weren't any extra lab draws or clinic visits or anything along those lines. In terms of the second endpoint, the, the efficacy, I think that's where it's a little less clear. Um, so, you know, we looked at over 100 patients and over 200 transfusions, and which accounted for over 300 um, uh, RBC unit exposures. And in all of that, we picked up a total of two new aloe antibodies. One was an anti-C, um, interestingly, and one was, was an anti-M. So not a significant amount of new antibodies that were detected. I will note we, when we calculated, so we, we calculated something that was described previously in the literature called the fractional antibody detection rate, which basically is an, an estimate of the proportion of patients who, you know, would have developed an, an alloantibody, sorry, would have had an alloantibody detected considering when they had their trans or their screen after the transfusion. So our, in our cohort, the, the fractional uh, antibody detection rate was around 60%, which compared to about 20% in the control group. So Certainly higher, but um, again, it was only only those two um, picked up, and even those, we weren't one hundred percent convinced of the the clinical significance of those, or even if that would significantly change the you know matching or the uh, blood matching practices for those patients. I'm glad you explained the fractional antibody detection rate. That was one of my questions. So thank you. 
How did you come up with the idea for this study? Obviously, it was driven by this idea of antibody evanescence, but how did you come up with the study design? Uh, so, you know, this was really just a, a practical, you know, clinical problem that, you know, we wanted to kind of um, encounter in real time. So, you know, this was a, a cr clinical protocol we kind of designed at Children's National to, to kind of start trying to do this practice and then kind of evaluating it, um, you know, on the back end as a research question to kind of see, you know, if doing it was feasible and then kind of what we found by doing it. Um, and as um, Dr. Rankin kind of nicely summarized, I think we clearly showed that it was feasible to do this. Um, but then the question of like how important the screening is, I think the fact that we're doing CEKL matching for our patients um, really helped protect a lot of them from getting autoimmunized which to me was actually a really helpful finding because it reassured me that, you know, if, a pa if I think a patient clinically needs a transfusion, I, you know, should transfuse them and not be so afraid that they're going to make uh, an allo antibody. Um, and, you know, I, in, that, in that respect, it was, you know, very good that, that we didn't find a lot of antibodies, even with this kind of rigorous screening. I will mention, though, that, you know, one kind of shortcoming of our screening is, um, you know, a lot of the patients just got one antibody screen at one time point. And, you know, it's still theoretically possible. We didn't check them at the right time. We kind of hypothesized that, you know, checking at this two to six month window would be the, the ideal time to, to detect a new antibody. But the truth is we don't know. And it really does vary uh, depending on what antigen you're talking about. You know, some antigens, some antibodies for some antigens are probably formed um, very early and others formed later. And, and um, the only way to probably really make sure that you detect every single antibody that's made is to um, test patients multiple times um, at, at various different time points, you know, a, a few weeks out after their transfusion and a few months after their transfusion, which of course is not, you know, feasible to do uh, for every single patient. Based on what you saw in this study, do you think that post-transfusion testing of all sickle cell patients is a good use of healthcare dollars? I think, as as you know, Dr. Nickel mentioned earlier, um, in the setting of large centers who doing who are doing extended antigen matching, um, like we do at our institution, I think you know the answer is is potentially no, based on these studies. Although the caveat being, we we didn't do a, any sort of cost analysis um, with this study. And as far as I know, that, that hasn't um, been done elsewhere either. Um, you know, we, we mentioned this in the, in the paper as well, is that the, the settings where this potentially could be beneficial for these patients would be in, you know, smaller community hospitals where they don't have the capability to do the type of antigen matching um, that we would do uh, at our institution or other institutions like that, or in, um, you know, similarly in developing countries such as, you know, in Africa, where there's a large burden of sickle cell, where again, um, the resources may not be there to use these um, extended uh, matching um, protocols as well. So I think those are the, the two scenarios where we hypothesize that it, it may be more beneficial. And, you know, I'll even add to that potentially, um, you know, other transfused patients, you know, outside of sickle cell disease that don't get CEKL matching, you know, they actually may benefit more from doing this kind of follow-up antibody screen. Although you could argue that many of those patients may not need to be transfused again. So um, the risk of allomimization to them might be less. Um, but I think it's a tough question kind of asking from our study alone, 
you know, should this kind of universally be implemented um, or is it, you know, is it cost, cost effective or, because, you know, if we did identify an antibody and prevented a um, delayed helminate transfusion reaction, that is, you know, that's huge. Not only, uh, of course, you know, as far as saving um, the healthcare costs associated with caring for a delayed helminate transfusion reaction, but of course, you know, the clinical benefit to that particular patient. So, um, you know, I, I would say it remains to be determined. Um, um, you know, in, in my practice, you know, or here at, at Children's National, we no longer kind of um, devote lots of resources to, to kind of do this rigorous screening um, because of our findings, because we weren't finding a huge number. But when I'm still seeing patients in clinic that, you know, have been transfused, I still try to get this follow-up antibody screen because even though it's, I know it's probably low yield, if, you know, if I can 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 identify one antibody. I think it's uh, I think it's important. So after doing this study, would you encourage other institutions to implement post transfusion testing either in the pediatric and or adult setting? But I, I do hope our study just helps people start thinking about this issue um, and uh, kind of brings to light you know th- this problem. Um, I don't think we necessarily have the solution for this problem. Um, but it makes people kind of think about it more. Um, you know, personally, as I kind of mentioned earlier, you know, our data has made me feel a little bit more comfortable about, you know, transfusing patients and not worrying as much about them making antibodies um, because we, we, were, we didn't find many antibodies despite our rigorous screening. So I, I think that was kind of an important finding that honestly, I wasn't expecting. I was, I was thinking we were going to do this and we would find all these antibodies and you know, show that, you know, we, that every hospital needs to start implementing this rigorous screening, um, which we didn't find, but um, in some ways that was a good result because it, it, you know, we don't, we don't want to be detecting a lot of antibodies in, in these, in these patients. And that's our show. Thank you to Dr. Rankin and Dr. Nickel for joining us for a great discussion. This has been Yara Park for Transfusions Monthly Podcast. See you next time. <music>